Yes or no? Is this the end of the world? Uh, no, it's not the end of the world, but we are, I feel so, like, getting close. So you're not, a, are you a dispensationalist? Of course. Meaning what happens to Israel determines the end. Yes. So you are one. Uh, yes. I, I'm, I said, I think we're getting close, of course. But I ask, are you a dispensationalist? Meaning God works in dispensations and he has to deal with Israel before he. Yes. Okay. As Israel goes, so does the rest of the world. Okay, cool. And yes. uh, have you been following what's going on? Oh, yeah. What's your thoughts? My thoughts are that there's still a few things that I think left to happen before Armageddon. Uh, but I think that it has major spiritual implications um, moving forward. And I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, I think overall what I think. So you're a dispensationalist. You be, believe in the rapture. I do. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Pre. Really? Yes. You're pre. You, do you think he's coming to get us? You, yes. You're pre, aren't you? Well, this is my show. You can't ask me questions. No, I'm, I'm, I'm grilling you right now. No, I know I what know. I believe. Okay. Have you ever listened to my Genesis teaching? I don't. Is that? Yes, I have. You know, I was going to make a joke. I'm not going to make a joke okay. it, because it was brilliant. It was one of the best uh, that I've ever heard. Did you listen to my revelation teaching? Yes, but I only got the tail end of that. That was at the your tail ending of that sermon series when I was first coming aboard. So there's 28, I think, lessons in Genesis, and there's like 26 or 28 yeah, on Revelation. I bookend both of them. Sure. And that's what I believe. Just go listen to it. I'm not going to cheat you and so tell you. We're not going to talk about it. I'm no, going to go listen to I'm going to make you listen to 40 hours of teaching to figure it out. Dig it out. That's a lot. Lip. You want everybody else to do it for you. So you you think what all's going on in the Middle East, it, it affects the church? Yes. Anytime that anything happens, not necessarily in the Middle East, but with Israel, my, my ears perk up. And yeah, I, I think that uh, it absolutely does. All right. Did you, uh, how about Ukraine? Do you think what's going on with Ukraine has anything to do with the church? Uh, I, I think it does. Or just Israel? I, I'm a, I, I think more... I guess that's how it, but I think more just Israel, not that Ukraine doesn't, but again, Israel is what kind of perks me up. And Does it irritate listen. you that more Christians are posting a Jewish flag versus a Ukrainian flag? Like we're praying for no. our Jewish brothers and not our Ukrainian brothers? No, it doesn't bother Okay. Have you posted a flag yet? I have not posted you post a flag. Did you post a Ukrainian yet. flag? I, no. Did you post an Israeli flag? No. Are you one of those where you, do you feel like you need to do that? To post? No, I don't just post like a lot on social a, media. Okay. Anyway, so. All right. I just wonder because I see it everywhere. I see Ukrainian flags, pray for Ukraine, pray for yeah. Israel, posting flags. I believe in all that. All right. Question. Oh, Lord. This is deep today. We're not bantering over donuts and Loch Ness monster. Okay. Do you believe prayer can change stuff? 100%. Yes. So you believe by us praying right now, mm. it shifts a world agenda of what's happening uh, from God's perspective? Yeah, I, b I believe prayer changes everything. Uh, if I didn't believe that, then I wouldn't pray. But I believe if the church body would come together and pray, I think things could shift and things could be different. I believe that 100%. And I will say this. I watch a lot of churches and church services. Um, there were, it was almost impressive to me this week how many church services took time out to corporately pray for Israel. I was really kind of pleased with that or impressed maybe. Do you think as many took time to pray for Ukraine? No. Uh, I think a lot did, but not as many. As no. many took time to pray for the millions being put to death in China? No. 
So why, why just Israel? I, because I think most Christians, I don't know that they understand it. Uh, and, and I probably don't understand it uh, as much as everybody else does either. But anytime something happens with Israel, uh, I think most church people, I think their ears perk up. And as a dispensationalist, you believe there's two distinct peoples of God. There's Israel, which is is the people of God. Yes. And then there's the church, yes, which is the people of right. God. And both are simultaneously running toward an end game. Yes. Okay, cool. I would, I mean, do you agree with that or no? Why are you asking me questions? Because this is my show. I think we, you know, we're worldwide. Our podcast is. We have uh, listeners in Mexico and Philippines now. I know. We're and getting I out think there. they're all, I think they want to know what you think too. I think we would be more famous if we change it to the Mark and Phil show. I would. Or the Phil and Mark show. I was going to say, if we could, it, it would be cool to do <laughs> Phil, Phil and Mark, Mark show <laughs> versus the lunch break podcast. The little icon with your uh, cartoon figure, mm-hmm. do I get to be a part of that as well? I'll reach out to the person that drew that. Okay. My wife thought it was silly, and my kids. They're all like, Dad, why did you put a cartoon character for the image of your podcast? It looks and great. That's what I said. It looks great. I said, it looks great. They don't know It's got a little about. smile. Yeah. It's, it's coffee. Got a, got a coffee shirt. That's me. It looks great. I had my coffee this morning. They don't know what they're no, talking no, about. No, you don't live with women. They're like, no, Dad, that looks stupid. I live with all women. No, they went, that looks stupid. That just looks stupid. Dad, that's dorky. And then they were in a group chat, right? right. And they're all like, there's no way people are going to watch that because that's not even who you are. It just makes it look like a cartoon. I said, it is a cartoon. It's called a caricature. And no, they didn't like it. I don't, my... Wait till, wait. I don't even think any of them listen to it. <laughs> but I know Victoria Kate, who comes on at the end. Right. Have you noticed her at the end lately? It's great. Thanks she for says thanks for it. That's yeah. Lucy. Yeah. AKA Victoria Kate, AKA Lucy Aunt Kate. Doo-doo. And We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for her voice at the end. She, she's she she's makes great. makes it sound awesome. I listen to it now just to hear right. her. Yeah, right. Like, what if she gets famous? I think that's why we picked up the international viewers was voice. because of her voice, yes. All right. I have a deep question and discussion today. Is that okay? I think I'm ready. So uh, all bantering aside, I want to go back to the Israel and to Christians and to prayer and to what you asked me what I think. Can I just get a little take? Yeah, I'd love to know. Okay. I I believe too. I know there's going to be several of my buddies out there that just don't believe this, which is cool. That's why we're such good friends because we can debate all day long. And still be friends. I'm a dispensationalist, but I define it this way. I believe Genesis chapter one and two, when God created in day four, he made seasons and times. And I believe God always works in seasons and times. So uh, that's kind of what I believe that he's a season God and a time God. God's working a timetable. Maybe my prayers can shift that timetable. Right. Right. I do know Anna and Simeon are praying in the temple and Paul says that Jesus came at the perfect time. Right. So do you believe Mm. here it comes? This is not even what I want to talk about, but it's it's, I want to stretch your brain. Okay. Do you believe that it was Anna and Simeon in the temple praying that brought about the consummation of the Virgin Mary to have child? Or do you believe that God already established in his timetable that on this day, this time, this baby girl or this teenage girl will be pregnant named Mary? Hmm. 
And then Anna and Simeon in the temple constantly praying, constantly wanting to see it. Do you, how do you think those two work hand in hand? you got the, the will of God, the timing of right. God, the fate of God. God's going to do it. But then you got these other two that interject themselves in the story as if they've been praying for this their yeah. whole life and they actually see it finally. Is it that their prayers brought it to pass? Or was it coming whether they prayed or not? I believe that their prayers, I, I really do believe that your prayer can change everything. Uh, I, and I, I do believe that. I do believe that because of their prayers, maybe the timeline shifted a little bit. I, I think there's examples of it in the Bible, too. I think there's different times. Who was the... My mind just went blank. Who was the uh, the king that was supposed to die? And he, you know, God gave me a few more years. So we, because of his prayers, gave him what, whatever it was, 30, 40 more years. I, I think that your prayers can change things mm-hmm. is the best that I would say. it. Mm-hmm. I, I believe if we don't, I, I think even if we don't believe that way, then what what is even the point of prayer? I think we pray too small anyway. God heal my headache. It's not that God doesn't care about that stuff, but man, pray big because God's a a, a big God that can I can change the focus of the okay, world. Okay, but I'm going to say back to you, but he's going to do what he's going to do anyway. Yes, I, I do agree with that, but I think that there are people and intercessors that are out there that are attuned with what God is doing that pray the will of the God that pray the will of God uh, what is it you you know you pray but you ask a miss type thing I think when you get into the the wheelhouse of what God is doing and you begin to pray that way um, yeah but I, I God's gonna do it anyway but I, I think it's gonna be I think you can change the timeline I think is how I would say that mm-hmm. at least that's how I believe mm-hmm. so here's here's what I'll I think about all of it. And then I want to go back to Israel and I want to go back to how we're responding as Christians and what I think is going on anyway. So my take is from Genesis 3.15 till the present of Jesus being born in the Gospels. He, God comes down and says, your, your seed will crush his head, right? right. Genesis 3, we, the, that prophetic moment. Now, here's what I know about that. The moment God spoke that prophetic moment about the son, Jesus coming, right? right. Nothing's going to stop that, yes or no? Correct. Nothing. So you can, it can go through uh, Noah, Noah's day. There's only eight people left, but that did not stop it. You right. can go Tower of Babel, scatter them all. That does not stop it. You can persecute them all, put them in Egypt. You can have harlots and prostitutes in the way, kings and princes in the way, angels in the way. So once God says it, do you believe anything can stop it? No. No. Okay. So then therefore I could fight back. Then why should I pray? It's going to happen anyway. It's going to take place anyway. So just get out of the way and don't even worry about praying. Just live life and let it play out. What would you say to that? I would say uh, that the Bible, if we're talking to straight prayer, I think the Bible's pretty clear about pray without ceasing. It, it talks about praying a lot anyway, but there's a cool story and I'm trying to find it as we talk about prayer and it comes from Daniel 9 uh, and it's Daniel had realized that there was a prophecy of 
the people uh, of Israel that they were in slavery, and then after 40 years or 70 years, I think it was, that the people were going to be set free. Mm-hmm. Well, Daniel realizes that they're coming to that 70 years, and he he says, man, this isn't going to happen. I've got to start praying this in mm-hmm. uh, if I don't pray this in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he prays this amazing prayer about people he doesn't know, and uh, it, the prayer was so powerful. It's in Daniel 9. The prayer was so powerful uh, that an angel of the Lord appeared to Daniel and he said something. He said, the moment you begin to pray, uh, God heard you. The very first, when you began to pray, God heard you. Mm -hmm. And now this is going to come to pass, which could make me believe that if he hadn't prayed that in, that it wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think we we pray without ceasing again. I, I think we pray big prayers to a big God that can do big things, whether it's in the timeline that he has set uh, or or if it's not. But I believe, I, I, I just think that we're, we're called to to do that. Yeah, here, here is a thought that I have come to believe, and this is one of the things I want to talk about today, that I pray it uh, opens us up to understand what our role is. In Luke chapter 8, this is my starting point. In Luke chapter 8, it's the story of the one with the issue of blood. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Okay, well, if you're a Christian, you would, hopefully. If not, it is a story about a woman that's had an issue for quite a long time. I think it's been bleeding 12 years. And she's put out by the community, don't come, don't get around us, you're unclean. She does not care. Sure. She comes out with faith, right? And she says in and of herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be well. You remember the story? What does she do? She pushes her way through the she crowd. She pushes her way through the crowd, touches his garment. What does Jesus do? Man, he he stopped everybody and, and said, who touched me? Okay, and, hold that thought. Okay. He says, who touched me? Now, here's what I re- relegate out of that. Then, therefore, Jesus, who is also human and God, right? We believe that. Right. He's God and human. He obviously did not have that girl on his radar that day, yes or no? No, he did not. He didn't have it on his Google calendar no. to touch this woman. He was not going to that city to find a woman with an issue of blood. No. Yes. It was her faith that pulled him into doing something that wasn't already on his timeline. Right. Right. So here's my thinking. My thinking is God has a timeline. Right. Right. From beginning to end. He's Alpha and Omega. He's working a plan, whether you're in it or not, whether you care to be in it or not. God's working his plan. Whether Joe Blow says use me or not, God's plan is working. And whether you're listening today and want God to use you or you live a narcissistic, selfish life, it doesn't matter. God is working his plan. But prayer, it pulls me into the plan of God. So it doesn't pull God's plan to me. It pulls me into his plan. That's good. So that when I pray, it's not that God leaves his plan to come catch me. It's that I leave my plan and catch hold of him. Right. So when we say, why would we pray? If God is going to do it anyway, why pray? Here's why. Because when God said the seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent, the moment he said that God bound himself to human beings. Sure. Yes or no? Yes. God bound himself to a human. This uh, 
spoken to Eve uh, and to Satan. He said, her, her seed will crush your head. Right. So the moment God spoke, her seed will crush the serpent's head. At that period of time, God bound himself to use humans. Yeah. Because he could have, I guess, made Jesus like he made Adam, lump right. of dirt, and then breathe into him, and there's sure. God, Jesus in the flesh. But because he bound himself to humans, God has obligated himself to work his prophetic time using humans. Sure. Because we could say, well, God could just do it. He's going to do it on his of own. Of course. Well, he could, but he bound himself to humans. Sure. So now he has to use a human. Could God have built Noah's Ark by himself? Yeah, of course. But he didn't. Sure. Correct? Correct. Could God have have, uh, have built the temple in the Old Testament by himself? Of course. But he used Solomon to do it. Sure. Right? Could God have gone up on that mountain that day and showed Moses the Ark of the Covenant? Man, here it is. Take it down there and put... Did he do that or did he want him to build it? They wanted him to Why did not God build the tabernacle? Why did he want Moses and Bezalel and all these uh, artisans work? Because the understanding is that God does have a prophetic end, but he bound himself to you and I. Right. And so, yes, God could do all these things. Could God not have sustained a widow in Zarephath? Of course. But no, he sent Elijah to her. Mm. And Elijah, could he? Could not God in 1 Kings have routed all the prophets of Baal? Sure. But he didn't. He used Elijah to yeah, do sure. it, right? Could not God have fed 5,000 people on a hillside, but he uses a kid's fish and, and sandwich, right. so to speak, the bread and the fish. So an understanding of, well, why should I pray if God's going to do what he does anyway is because prayer moves me into a position to say, use me. Right. All right. It's one thing. This is what I wanted to talk about today um, in Exodus. And this is where I want to pull on you for uh, some of your thoughts on leadership. You have a degree in leadership, correct? Correct. From an institute. So I want to ask you some questions about that. And because I believe there's people that are praying for things, wishing for things. There's some people that are just like, I don't even need to pray. God's going to do whatever God's going to do sure. anyway. It doesn't matter. He's God. And there's other people praying very desperate prayers. But none. So you have both ends of the spectrum. You have the, well, I'm, God's God. He'll do it. If he wants it, he'll fix my marriage. And you have the other woman over here praying, oh, God, please, please right. fix my marriage. But neither, nothing's happening right, sure. on either side. So one side says, see, why pray? Nothing happens. And and the other side says, yeah, right. There's no reason to pray. He's God. He'll do whatever he wants to do. Right. Well, I have pondered that a long time. I have thought through it. I have been, do my prayers really make a difference? And if they do, how? Uh, and if I don't pray, isn't God still going to do what God is going to do? And I've landed on this. God is going to do what God is going to do regardless of me. But the reason I pray is to bring myself into the middle of his equation to say, if you can use anything, God, use me. It's good. Yeah. I want you to use me. So my prayer becomes less of that of a victim. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, please help me. Right. Oh, God, please help me. Right. That's one right. prayer. Because I don't want any responsibility on me. Oh, Just help right. me. Sure. I have a terrible marriage. I have a, but there's a, when God has a prophetic thought, like, do you believe God would want any marriage to be good? Yeah. He wants every marriage. Okay. To be well good. then, then we would have to say, right. then why 54% of the people divorced? Sure. All right. Well then God must've wanted him to divorce right. or, well, they didn't pray hard enough sure. or, and the end result, let me share what I have found to be in my mind. 
uh, congruent with God working with people as it relates to prayer, and then ask you a question. So in Exodus, ready? Exodus um, chapter 3, this is what it goes to say. Uh, let me get there. It was Exodus chapter 3. Um, the people of Israel have been in captivity by Egypt. They've been in slavery, right? Okay. And so they start crying out to God, and this is what it says in verse 7. He said, The Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, verse 7, God says, I'm aware of their suffering. Verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt until their own fertile, spacious land. What does God say there? I heard their problems. I'm going to come down and get them out of this mess, right? Right. Okay, well, watch how he comes down and gets them out of this mess. He goes down and he says to... Um, he says to Moses, he says, look, verse 9, the cry of my people has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians are abused them. Verse 10, this stings a mite. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Sure. And at that moment, one of the greatest stories of the Bible, the Exodus uh, in the Jewish heritage, uh, the, the Yom Kippur, the coming out, the living in the tabernacles, right? Which is right. what they were celebrating. They're right. celebrating, uh, you know, freedom and, and they're coming out of this slavery. But God says, look, here's why he says, he said, look, I'm going to do it. Right. I, I heard their sufferings. They've been crying out to me. I'm about to take action. Sure. But but I'm going to take action through you. I need you, Moses, to go lead. You know what I think is going on today? What's that? I think a lot of Christians want to pray for Israel, pray for Ukraine, post a flag, post their colors, and put out a scripture. But few people say, but I want you to use me. Yeah. I think most people say, God, just bless them. Just bless them. Just help them. We cry. The, we, we pray the prayers of suffering. Sure. The prayers of suffering are, please help them. Please do something. Please fix this problem. Please uh, get, the, get us out of this hell hole. But to turn around and say, but it's a far different cry to say, God, they're suffering, but use me. Right. Don't you think that the response of Israel coming out mm -hmm. to God's prophetic line right. versus the response to Moses. Sure. Because Moses has to leave his wife, his children and travel back. Right. He's got to leave his comfortable. Sure. And these people have got to leave their misery. And what I see happening a lot in Christianity is we're so accustomed to prayers of suffering that really don't understand they're part of a prophetic timetable. Right. It's just, I'm just, a, my marriage is bad, but rather than praying, God, fix my marriage, fix my my marriage would it would not be a different prayer to pray lord pull me into your prophetic purposes for my marriage yeah. and whatever that means i'm willing to do it right sure i will repent i will go to counseling i will read books i will do whatever i need to do to bring my marriage into your prophetic purposes right. versus here's my miserable marriage god i need you to leave your prophetic purpose and come fix it uh, right and god's like no i'm not coming to fix it right. i'm going to bring you into my purposes right so what prayer does is prayer pulls me into the purposes of God. Sure. Correct? Correct. So, but what it does though, is the moment it pulls me in, it requires something of me. Yeah, sure. And I want you to tell me from your perspective, why so few Christians, this is my perception, 
so few Christians really ever step into that place of leading their life in such a way that they're successful. Sure. Because you go to Numbers 14, do you know what they said? Mm-hmm. I wish we'd have never come out here. Yeah, right. I can't believe we did. Right. I would just soon go back to Egypt. I find that many Christians are content to live in misery, to live in a victim mentality, sure. to live in a suffering world, to and just God's doing it. Let me just pray for the suffering. Let me just pray for the people hurting. Let me just, but dear God, don't require anything out of me. Yeah, sure. I think it's easy for, don't you think it's quite different when Anna and Simeon are praying for the consolation of Israel, which right, is sure. Jesus, right? Right. Far greater cry than Mary who has to birth him. Right. Right? Sure. The, the the young teenage girl that has to say, well, my husband may divorce me. Both of them were in the prophetic line of God. Mm. Anna and Simeon are praying yeah. to see it, but Mary's the one that had to say, well, my God, the threat of the threat on Mary's life is far different than Anna and Simeon. Yeah. Anna and Simeon just get up every day and pray, go to the temple every day. Sure. No threat to them. Sure. But to Mary, if I say yes to it, my husband could divorce yeah. me. I'm going to lose my wedding day. I, I could be stoned sure. in my car culture. I think that's where God is trying to get us today. He's trying to get his people to a place to stop being content just to post a flag and put up a post that requires nothing out of you but a prayer. And he wants to bring his church into a revival, a revival that says, oh my God, let me do something about it. Let me, even the world says this. I heard this, uh, gosh, I forget where it was. It's some tragedy that happened. It was a, a shooting uh, several years ago. And this is what one of the people said, oh, we don't need your Christian prayers. My God, just shut up. Your prayers don't work. Right. right. Uh, we need more than a prayer. Right. Well, I think that's legit. Sure. Especially coming from people that don't know God. We're sick of you praying because your prayers do nothing. Yeah. Right. In their perspective, all you're doing is just throwing some suffering. I think what God is up to is I think God is starting to pull people into his prophetic timeline and it's going to require things out of us. Why do you think it's so hard for Christians to live with requirements on their life from God? You know, I I want to tag on to that. I I think Isaiah's, and then I'll answer your question. I think Isaiah's encounter in Isaiah six, I think his encounter with the presence of the Lord teaches us everything we need to know in that moment. He says, uh, he says me twice. He opens up with woe is me and then he ends it with sin me. And I think there's something beautiful in that, in your prayers and even in your worship, that if we're not praying, send me, use me, even when we worship, if we're not giving little pieces of ourself away, I think we're doing it wrong. I think that we have become so comfortable with the routine of church and how we handle and deal with Jesus, I guess I would put it, that that's the comfortability of it. We don't want more requirements. I mean, uh, gosh, even, you know, my life, we've got soccer every night of the week. Week, and then there's church and then there's school and there's jobs and then there's I, I don't want any more honest and I, I think some of it has to go back to belief I think the reason that my wife and I and and other friends that I have like mine I don't want to just uh, make it sound like we're exclusive to this uh, but uh, one of the reasons that we've made it through good times bad times hard times everything is, is enduring through the end is uh, we're okay with the cost of well I say we're okay with it 
we understand that there is a cost and there's going to be a price um, for what we're doing uh, in, in whatever that w- way that may mean. You know, I, I go to mission uh, field a lot and there, there's a there's a cost to that. There's a there's a price to that. And, and people just simply don't want um, the what it costs and what it takes uh, to do because of the comfortability uh, that we have, even with church, right? We come in, we come to a service, it's going to be an hour and a half. We know the order of service, and there's nothing wrong with the order, uh, but we know how it's going to be, and we just sometimes can just casually stroll into the presence of the Lord and and get the goosebumps on the back of, of our neck, but then it stops there. People simply don't want the extra, for whatever reason, they just simply don't want the extra tag or the extra price that it and takes. And here, here's my take. It's because the way we've taught God to people, if you could close your eyes, if you're driving, don't do this, but yeah. if you could close your eyes and imagine two two parallel lines or perpendicular, they're parallel to each other, sure. one on top and one on the bottom. The one on top is the prophetic line of God. It never bends. From A to Z, alpha to omega, beginning to end, there sure. is a purpose for his kingdom that is working. Sure. Under that is is our life. Right. It is a line that I'm born into. My family impacts it. My environment impacts it. My religious upbringing or not, my humanism, whatever. It, it, my line is impacted. And my line has a lot of ups and downs, good, bad, and uglies, right? Now, the, when people get born again and they say they're a follower of Jesus, the typical thinking is, is that God leaves his line, comes down to my line, and makes my line straighter. Right. Right? right. He makes my line better. God made my marriage better. God made my addictions better. God made my children better. So even our prayers, it's almost like our prayers are trying to bend God's line to me. Let me bring him down into my world. Everywhere I read in the Bible, God's line remains steady. Nothing stops it, but it's the praying people that connected their line to his. In other words, God, you're doing something. Use me. Now, even in that, the suffering down here here on our line, right? The Israelites praying, God, we're suffering in Egypt. Uh, Do something, please. And God's on his line going, okay. I'm going to help you. Right. God still didn't bend his line. Right, true. God brought Moses's line up to his and says, look, I got a job for you to do. Right. Right. So, and so therefore, anytime a human goes from my line to God's prophetic purpose, it takes repentance, death to self. It takes me willing to go, God, if you can use anything, it interrupt my life, so to speak. Right. What responsibility do you want out of me? I think the church has to come to a place that our prayers begin to be what responsibility do you want out of me? Right. Now, not everybody may pray that prayer, but the ones that pray, Lord, what do you want out of me? Tell me what you want my line to do. Sure. And I will, I will grab hold of that and say, as long as I'm here, my life will be used for the prophetic will of God. So Mark, why do you pray? I pray because I want God to use me as a vessel in bringing about his kingdom. Right. I want God to use my life. So whether that's on the soccer field or the cheerleading day or whether it's at the gym or with my friends every day I wake up I want my line to intersect with God's and say Lord if you can use anything use me right that's that, good that, yeah. I think that when we go back to our beginning when we talked about what's going on in Israel right now the challenge is oh let me pray and I'm good with that right I, I agree with you prayer just works but typically we use it as 
a way to make my conscience feel better because I'm not really want to do anything. Yeah, sure. It's like, it's no different than, oh, we need to pray against abortion, okay, but nobody's doing anything. Yeah. Like, go do something about it sure. versus just, it, it's it's what Jesus said. I've got it pulled up. This is in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed all kind of diseases and illnesses. And when the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You would think at that moment, he would say, well, there's sheep without a shepherd. I better do something, right? Here's what he says. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Here's, here's his prayer. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. There's right. that thought, right? He's right. in charge of it. Sure. He is in charge. And I could easily say, well, see, he's in charge, so let him be in charge. Sure. Uh, case of Ross or Raw, whatever. But look what he says. He said, so ask him to send more workers right. into his field. Don't you think it'd be a far greater cry, <laughs> a different prayer to pray, God, I bless Israel. I pray for my brothers, which is a great prayer. The sure. Bible says we're blessed if we do of course. it. Versus, okay, Lord, I'm going to get a ticket if that's what you want me to do. And I'm going to fly over there and do my part. Sure. I'm going to do whatever I can do. I think God is, is going to bring his church into a place to where we stop praying prayers of suffering and we start praying, Lord, use me. Yeah. We stop just simply asking God to fix the problem. And we ask God to help me be part of his solution. Yeah. Like I believe God does have a solution. He's working his line, but Lord, my prayer is make me part of the solution versus, oh, we just have such a terrible culture right now and all this, you know, wokeism that's going around. And Lord, I just pray against that. I stand against, I'm fine with that. Yeah, sure. I, don't, I don't see a problem with that. But a far different cry is, Lord, in the middle of this woke culture, man, use me. Yeah. Uh, my life is available to you versus just what you said at the beginning, just praying, God, help me get my job, fix my headache, fix my little problems, come down to my line and make my crooked line right, sure. straight. I think that's the issue at hand. I think Jesus wants us to pray for workers. So I'm going to ask you a quick question okay. on it. I'm going to ask the question, why do you think so many Christians believe in I am who I am? And they believe that greater, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And we have all the scriptures. <clears throat> But so few are really working it. I think a lot of it goes back to, I think you've preached this before, we want the power without the wisdom. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think you, you've you talked about that before. We we want to have that power and we talk, it's, I, I call it, I don't know if this is, um, I don't know if I, I don't want to offend anybody, but we, we know what the uh, the verses to say and we know what to, the Christianese, the, the things that sound romantic. Uh, and, and they're all true. I'm not, of course, greater is that is in me, but it, it's a, you know, the, the church is not to run away from the darkness. We're, we're called to the darkness and there's, it's the action behind that. And, and I just go back to the action of uh, what that is. Use me. We run to the darkness. We don't run away from it. And I think that scares people that I think they're not, I, I think it's discipleship. I think it's power without the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I think people have been taught in air uh, growing up in whatever way or not taught at all. And so I, I think to me, it boils down to what you've preached before. I've said it a hundred times now, but the, that's the power without the wisdom. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally on it that 
in the end, it's easier to pray prayers of suffering and want God to feel so pitiful for me and sorry for me that he dips down, requiring nothing of me. That's his power. And and just hang out on my little line of suffering and make me a fix everything I need you to fix versus God, my marriage sucks. I need you to tell me what to do because I'm going to come up to your line and whatever I right. have to do, I'm willing to do. I need to go to counseling. I'll go to counseling. I'm tired of whining. I'm t- God, I'm broke. And I'm always asking you to fix my broken, my brokenness, my poorness. I'm asking you to give me raises in my job. I ask you to come to my line. No, God, I'm coming up to you and I'm repenting of my attitude, my negativity. I'm repenting of always being the victim and I'm coming Coming up to your line to say, God, whatever you need out of me, tell me. I think Jesus was serious when he said in Matthew 9, we the harvest is the Lord's. The line is the Lord's. What I need is people willing to leave their line and get on my line. Yeah. I need people. Now, what that does, Phil, is, is it uh, gets me uncomfortable. Yeah, of course. It uh, requires things. It makes me, I'm distracted. I've got a lot going on. So sure. now I'm going to have to reorganize my calendar. I'm going to have to rethink why I'm on planet earth. I've got to rethink my money. I've got to rethink my job. And I think a lot of times we just love our line and we love God's line and we feel like the devil's on our line chasing us and we want God to come down to our line and help us. I think the reason we pray is because God wants us to align ourselves with his prophetic purposes and align ourselves with what he wants to accomplish in his kingdom. And in that is the difference between a, uh, gosh, a worker, someone willing to work and someone that just wants to live off God, like he's government support. So back to Israel, what do you think we can practically do as Christians? Our, what you've said, our brothers and sisters, where there's two families, there's Israel, the family of God through Abraham. There's the church, the family of God through Abraham. Both are running the concurrent line of God's prophetic. What do you think people can do uh, to take action in, let's just say first in, in any area, right. what, let's say a marriage, let's say a children are, are, are gone astray. What can they practically do to take action? Yeah, I think the first first thing you have to realize is what we've been talking about, that it it is going to take something from me, whether that's a marriage that needs counseling, whether uh, whatever that is, there is going to have to be an action that you take. And I think you've already said it. I think the practical is the the pray for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit on what he wants you to do instead of, and, and they're great prayers, right? The, you know, bless them, give them peace, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm all for that. But I think the prayer has to change practically. If you really want to pray for Israel, then that prayer has to to involve you and is going to require something out of you. Whatever that is, God will tell you. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a, I mean, I think Isaiah is the perfect example of what you just said of the repentance of, you know, of Isaiah saying, woe is me. And then, you know, saying, send me. Yeah, that's uh, great. I, I think that's the perfect example of that. I, I think the prayers have to change practically and it's got to be more than, um, than, than just pray for the peace of Jerusalem and, and amen. And I've checked that box off. There's there, you, man, you have to realize that there's going to be something required out of you. And I, th- I think that once you realize that and change your prayers, I, I think that's the, and then the next step is whatever, you know, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And that's my answer. I've had a lot of people reach out to me. What do I think about this? What do I think about this? Is this the end time? What do I think about Israel? I think my 
gut level answer is that God is going to wake up his people. Yeah, I hope so. I think he's going to wake up his people. And I think by that, it means God is going to wake up the workers. Yeah. I think the church is sat too idle. I think followers of Jesus have prayed the woe is me prayers. And I believe we're going to get into the send me prayers. Yeah. I believe we're accustomed to the woe is me prayers because nothing really has to change. Woe is me. Woe is my marriage. Woe is my money. Woe is my health. But when I start praying, send me, mm-hmm. that means, okay, nothing in my life is an excuse anymore. Mm-hmm. If I'm overweight and sick, maybe I need to take responsibility and be right. healthier, right? I need to work. I need to sure. put work to it. I think that's what God is doing. It's waking us up because what we're realizing is the world and the wokeism is taking the world over by storm. Violence is taking the world over by storm. And at the end of the day, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, wherever people follow dispensational Israel, not Israel church, not church. At the end of the day, here's what we know to be fact. Jesus said, I'm the Lord of the harvest. I'm in charge of this thing, but I'm wanting to bind myself to people who will work for me. Right. And I think no matter what prayers you're praying today, whatever you're asking God to do, whether your prayer is a woe prayer, a prayer of suffering and God, I'm in a hell hole. But at the end of the day, I think we have to pray, Lord, you got to use me, whatever that means for you to use me for my family, for my marriage, for my money, for my business, for my future, but ultimately for your kingdom. And guess what? Matthew 633 says, when you do that, mm. when you seek the kingdom, man, everything else yeah. works out. Why? Because you've stepped up into his prophetic line. Yeah, sure. And anytime a human steps into the line of God, all of our stuff works out. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Me and Phil love you as always. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to my dad's podcast. Make sure to follow along and help us by sharing this episode with someone you know. Thanks again. Have a great week.